0: Hello and welcome to Life and Inside Job. I'm Kate, and today I'm having a kind of conversation you may well have not heard before about how we navigate postmenopause or our second springs. And I call this podcast Postmenopausal Zest because it's a quote from Margaret Mead, the anthropologist, saying that there is no greater force on earth. a menopausal woman with zest or something like that. Anyway I probably misquoted her and this conversation is with menopause yoga trainer Petra Coveney and she's the founder of menopause yoga trainings and her book is also called menopause yoga and it's a tool for yoga teachers to understand their needs when they're in midlife and in menopausal transition, as well as the needs of their students. And having both of us come through menopause as a relatively conscious process of personal growth, we ponder where has that brought us? How do we operate now? What kind of self-care we use and how this feels to be embarking on a new cycle of life? And how we can embrace more life and vitality in a way that also respects an ageing body. Petra, we are both mapping new territory in some sense because we are both postmenopausal, and we've both made a sort of, <laughs> in my case, semi-conscious transition through menopause. So I wanted to ask I wanted to ask you about what it's like for you being postmenopausal. What's the difference between you now today and you when you were in menopause? Oh my god, even you asking that question is so emotional because it's not a question anyone has ever asked me before. I've asked myself, I've reflected, I've written about it in my book. I talk about it in my workshops, my teacher training courses, but no one has actually said to me, Petra, what is it like? And um, I sort of say, thank you. Thank you for asking that question because I think you and I will both recognize that in mapping this new territory, it's because for centuries, women at this stage of life haven't really been valued. And in many cases, they've been invisible. Um, or disappeared. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you for asking that question. and I hope that if I start the conversation that you'll bring in what it's like for you because it's an absolute privilege to be able to speak to someone else who's in this stage. So I'm in my second spring and I love it. I love it. I feel more. In traditional Chinese medicine, they call it stepping into wholeness. So I feel like the pieces of myself that were like that jigsaw, but quite kind of lost bits of jigsaw, maybe a bit lost behind the sofa, another bit on the floor somewhere, that those pieces of the the jigsaw are coming together to create a whole. And that feels... oh amazing. I'm finally myself. I also love that my body is my body. I feel so different about this physical body that I live in, because I'm no longer concerned about procreation. And I don't feel as threatened when I'm walking down the street that I'm going to be Uh, devoured by the male gaze. So I feel like this is finally my own body. And in the process of going through the menopause, where I did crash and burn, and like that, you know, mythical Phoenix did rise again. You have to, you know, sometimes some of us do need to crash and burn before we can rise again. And I do feel that my relationship with myself with my physical self, with my past, with my behaviour, with myself, and all my warts and all, I feel like I accept it—not just accept it, I embrace it. I embrace it for being me, and I—and that's just not that's not just words, Kate. I really feel this, and you can probably hear from my voice that it's quite strong, and I'm not rushing. I'm picking my words. I'm finding, do I feel comfortable with these words? I find, I found my voice through teaching, through writing, through talking with other women like you. So I really feel that I've stepped into a sense of wholeness and my own power. But... And this is where I'd like to come back to you, to invite you to describe it. I am now in my my seventh year of post-menopause. And that's a really interesting year. So I wanna pass that back to you and say, how is it for you now in your second spring in your post-menopause and where are you in that journey? Hmm. I feel like I've, there's something in me that has softened and that I can sit more comfortably inside myself. And so that would be in practical terms. That means that I have a bit more objectivity about my behavior (laughs) and my responses. Hmm. Um, I can stay closer to my needs you know, from the kind of am I hydrated? (laughs) Like really? Like I'm talking, I'm talking kind of from the kind of nitty-gritty stuff, um, to the more to all the way to am I am I hydrated all the way to um am I aligned? Does this serve me? Um and I think, you know, I could drop in drop inside and I feel more contained and and I think I can do that because I feel because there's more space and there's more softness. I think. And where does that softness come from? Where is that originating, that softness? Menopause kicking my ass. Oh, menopause kicked your ass too. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> God, yeah. We're both I, yeah, well, I thought because I thought I it was, you know, mine was like. <laughs> And if you could see me, you can't really, you you can't really see what I'm doing. I'm sitting with my palms together between my knees, like it, like a penitent child, because, because, um, because um, I think it was, I think menopause required me to let go of my ego because I thought I knew, you see, I thought I knew because I was already being educated at red school and about menstruality and I'd had a long Career in body psychotherapy and in body awareness and all that jazz. And so I thought I knew all about it. (laughs) And, you know, like I and I hear this, it's not just me, I hear this with nearly every client and workshop participant I encounter. They say, but I've already let go. I already rest. And menopause says, yes, but you need to let go of more. And yes, but you need to rest more. Yeah. And there was something about that humbling about um, the process of realizing that I couldn't intellectualize, I couldn't know my way out of it. And I couldn't figure my way out of it, out of yeah. menopause. I couldn't work out the best possible three-point plan, blah, 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 you know, that kind of nice, that really nice kind of like mental structure that we like because it keeps us safe and then we have a plan and then it manages our anxiety. And <laughs> you know, it was about really letting go of knowing stuff i think on all levels and now you know i say i can't i have to stop saying this because because I'll never, I'll never i'll never work again but i really have this feeling that i i there is so little that i know that i know nothing oh tell me about it Han that sense of i know nothing <laughs> and that's fine yeah yeah but clearly, we- clearly i do know some stuff because I, I wrote it all down. <laughs> Although I do find now that I have I have to refer to my own book to remember things, which is a pretty weird and hilarious place to be. Like, what did, what did I say about that? Oh, that yeah. <laughs> oh, I wrote it very well here. That, yeah, <laughs> can you can you relate to that to this knowing to this um, sense of not needing to know and not knowing things? I think so, and it. Um... I want to read something out of your books oh stop it obviously I'm here to promote my book but my book is a a menopause yoga teacher training book it's mainly for yoga teachers and it was written in recognition that yoga teachers are not on some kind of pedestal and higher plane where they're, they're always in a heightened state of consciousness are they not and they go through menopause and in actual fact a lot of people who a lot of what the women going through menopause who are yoga teachers many of them will struggle because they're used to of having found a sense of calm and equilibrium and then the menopause comes it totally takes that out of whack totally throws everything up in the air like it does for every woman but what I've noticed with yoga teachers is many of us, myself included, were drawn to yoga because we were struggling with something emotionally or spiritually within us. And yoga provided an answer, not just the physical movement, but the breathing and the meditation and the whole philosophy around it. So women coming through menopause who are yoga teachers, I've I've actually noticed many of them will struggle and they struggle doubly because they feel that they should be up on that higher plane. Mm. So this, this book, Menopause Yoga, is written for them, but also to give them some skills that taps into those inner resources um, and gives them a bit of structure to support other women going through the menopause. I think, I think that's such a great service. It's such a great service. Thank you. To allow teachers to feel that vulnerability, because in my opinion, the greatest gift you can give to a student is to allow that vulnerability to be seen. And hold it into a safe place, Mm -hmm. you know, so menopause yoga, you know, I get a lot of people saying to me, oh, show us a technique for, you know, cooling your hot flushes or show (laughs) me a technique for calming your anxiety. And I can, I will. But menopause yoga is so much more than practicing a pose or a breathing technique. It it is very much along the lines of of what you do, Kate, that that therapeutic movement going going through the process psychologically, spiritually. I think both you and I agree that the menopause isn't a set of symptoms. It isn't hormonal changes in your body. It isn't um, just a second spring. It is that bio, psycho, social, spiritual transformation Mm -hmm. for many of us. Um, So anyway, I wanted to read something from your book that um, I really loved because it resonates with me. And we're talking about us. We're two women who are in our post-menopause. How many years are you into your post? Uh, three, I think, two or three. I can't remember. So, so I'm, seven, <laughs> I'm seven. and yeah. uh, Seven is that magic number, isn't it? Seven in traditional Chinese medicine, different stages and phases of life. Um, interestingly, medically, um, the medical books, scientific medical books will look at postmenopause and they now have a new thing called the straw definition of the menopause. And it actually shows post-menopause to go in stages and says that it can be at least seven years until you find some kind of equilibrium. So I found that really interesting that they're looking at the hormones and then and the symptoms and then seeing some kind of leveling out at around about seven years into your post-menopause. I and mean, obviously that's just a, an average a scientific calculation. But <clears throat> so here I am in my seventh year And as I said to you, you know, I did feel like I was a phoenix rising from the flames and finding my feet again. And wow, I'm feeling powerful. And oh my God, my body, this, my sexuality, my sense of self, my voice. But when I first emerged, I stumbled. And in the last couple of years, I stumbled again. And I think. You and I, we're so honest with ourselves because we need to be, we need to be authentic and and bear witness to what we're also going through um, rather than just offering people empty platitudes, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And you wrote something in here that resonated. You said, learning where our new boundaries are in the familiar, unfamiliar territory of second spring can be painful. For example, (laughs) you're smiling, you've obviously touched a memory. For example, now the second spring sunshine warms me up. I constantly overdo it with social contact, with work projects, with too much people time. And then I crash and burn in a frazzled heap. It's a common misconception that once menopause is over we will go back to how we used to be before but this is not the case. We have undergone an initiation and are fundamentally changed by it. We are older and ageing brings constrictions with it depending on your genetic inheritance and how you've spent your life. So there's more in there as well. Everything you've said resonates completely with me and and how I teach on my training course. Um, But that that crashing and burning and that almost kind of like Bambi-like, get on your feet, wow, look, I'm on my feet, it's amazing. I'm going to run, I'm going to canter. And then going, Mm oh, I went too fast. Mm So tell me a little bit about how that was for you, if you want to, or, mm. oh, I think, I think that this, this, this spring, it, it is like, it has the same qualities as our teenage spring. So it is about, um, exploring and being, being kind of innocent and that cantering about, I think that's, you know, that's the perfect phrase for, I, I make little <laughs> a little pony, little pony, with my hands and cattering about, you know, there's a kind of playful innocence and at 50 something that can get you into trouble. <laughs> you can piss, piss a lot of people off <laughs> and wear yourself out as well. And wear yourself out. Yeah. There is, um, a wonderful book that obviously I drew on because I came to second spring or the concept of second spring through traditional Chinese medicine and there's a beautiful book that I think you know called um moon reflections of moon on water such a beautiful book and some of the guidance that the author gives in that book is um about understanding from the traditional Chinese medicine perspective that we are born with uh a pool of life energy or source, the life source, the shen. And once that's used up, that's the end of our life. And in traditional Chinese medicine, you know, um, you get to your menopause and then post-menopause. And we are supposed to slow down because otherwise we're using up that shen, that resource, that life force, And I've certainly felt that more recently. I felt like I cantered, like you said, you know, little Bambi (laughs) back on her feet, rushing around and, oh my gosh, I have loved it. The creativity that you talk about and that I talk about, that pro-creativity, putting that behind and that energy being available as a resource now for creativity. So pro-creativity to creativity. And loving that, loving that birthing. We've both birthed books. We've both birthed teachings and you've got your podcast. So many other things that we do. And it's exciting and it's lovely to feel your voice being heard as well. Um, But we are depleting that, Shem, we're depleting that life force. So it's how can we make sure that there is still time for... That, as you call it, the radical rest. Mm. Time to nourish and nurture ourselves. Mm. Um, and in whatever way that needs to be. So when you talk about overdoing it, social contact, work projects, too much people time, and then crashing and burning, I was like, yeah, I understand that too. So as, as you are now, seven years into your new cycle, what does your self-care look like? What does your kindness look like in your life? How do you nourish your Shen? So at the moment, I, I moved to Brighton. Here I am in Brighton um, <laughs> on the Southeast coast, anyone who's listening to this and i um, I don't know what people's concept of Brighton is, whether it's fish and chips and Brighton Rock or uh, nightclubs or whether it's yoga and well-being and all of that. But um, <laughs> I have truly had my eyes opened to the wonderful community that there is down here. It's really quite extraordinary. And um, so I've moved down here on my own into my lovely shishi apartment, um, and. This really is a physical metaphor. So one of the things, I am getting to your point, Kate, <laughs> but I've got it just taking a long time to get there. Like um, all the time you need. So one of the things I say on, on my workshops and on my course is that going through your menopause is an opportunity to reflect and review, let go make peace with the past, let go of anything you need to let go of emotionally, psychologically, physically, in any way, um, so that you can move on into your second spring lighter without that heavy burden, without dragging the wardrobe you know, tied to you into this next stage of life. So you, it's, it can be a more liberating time of life because you're less weighted down by the past physically and emotionally and psychologically. And so literally what I did here is um, I left my home in London, all sold up, kids grown up, moved. And I said to myself, okay, Petra, you tell women to let go of the past, make space for the new. And one of the things I say is, imagine, imagine you had a shishi apartment that you were moving into, it was completely <laughs> empty. What would you take with you? And it's just a way for them to look back and go, Gosh, do I really need to bring back those habits or behaviors or thought patterns that were maybe dragging me down or those old memories I haven't processed? So here I am, and I've done it actually physically. And when I left London, I barely brought more than a few suitcases of books, just a few, had to leave so many behind, one suitcase of clothes, my dog, who's just sitting over there snoring. And, yeah, I had not – I left everything. I left everything. So so really, truly, really, oh, truly, oh, you had two suitcases and a dog? Two suitcases, a dog, and a few boxes. But, I mean, everything, the cutlery – the masses of clothes, Um, I just took the bare minimum and I came down here and I entered this beautiful apartment and I sat here and was, wow, (laughs) oh my gosh. So the last year and a half have been a process of then deciding I'm in my second spring. What do I want my environment to be like? What do I want to be in my life? What is going to nourish and nurture me, even down to simple things such as, you know, what colors or paintings do I want on the wall? I mean, people will find this possibly very hard, but I left behind so many photos and paintings and all the things that we accumulate over the course of our life. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I did bring some. I've got my children's pictures, for instance. So bit by bit, I've been constructing my second spring. And you can't see this on the podcast, but behind me, I've got my flowers. Um, uh, I've got lots and lots of plants. It's a little bit like a greenhouse here. I've got floor to ceiling windows, floor to ceiling, huge windows, so much light and space. People come into this room and they say, where's the furniture? (laughs) Well, you know, I gave in, I've got a sofa and I've got a couple of chairs and a table now, but it's my space, Kate, it's my space. This is my place. So how do I nourish and nurture myself? I I feed myself through being in this space and carefully selecting what comes in and what I don't want in here. But I've also... And I'd love to come onto this with you and to ask your feelings about this. So I've come down here on my own and I was in the lockdown and the only people I could meet safely were some women who were complete strangers who were part of a sea swimming group. And we would very kind of casually, little WhatsApp group, meet on the front, go for a swim, say goodbye. But from that, I've had the most extraordinary conversations with people I'd never met before. We come, we go, we swim for 10 minutes, cup of tea, watch a sunrise, watch a sunset, whatever. Um, But I've built over the last year and a half a community of women. And those women have now connected me with other women. I'm in a running club. Yeah, me running. I'm absolutely appalling. And then they've opened me to new things, mm-hmm. including <laughs> the, uh, the event I went to last night, which was the, um, how can I describe it? It was um, a goddess ceremony for International Women's Day. So a goddess ceremony that was a goddess sauna ceremony on the beach. there was singing there was a fire pit um I'm in the sauna with a bunch of women I've never met and a lovely woman I mean most extraordinary woman um so giving so nurturing she came around and she was slapping us (laughs) with with branches (laughs) with eucalyptus and vetiver and wafting all kinds of things into this Oh, my gosh, it was an extraordinary experience. And they, they gave us food and drinks. Someone sang and played music. Um, someone read tarot cards. I mean, my, my world is opening up to me. Kate, okay, this is very Brighton. So I'm bringing I'm reeling it back to your question, which is probably an hour ago, and saying, I nurture and feed myself now by being careful of what I bring into my space who and what, but also by reaching out and making these extraordinary female connections with other women. Mm. So I'd I'd, I'd like to kind of hold a little space here because I think what you're saying is really, uh, has really profound ramifications, choosing what comes in. So you spoke about it in terms of your physical space, your, your home, but it's something bigger than that, isn't it? Mm. It's about, it's a different kind of boundary that is required for a healthy second spring. We'll talk about the reaching out bit as well, I think separately, but can you say more about that? Oh, you might need to direct me on some questions. It's, it's, It's been such a transformative time of life and so empowering to make decisions and not being able to make those decisions quickly, so going slowly, going carefully, not just with the physical things that I bring into this space, each individually chosen, selected carefully. But also, yeah, about the people that come into this space. I needed this space to not have too much furniture because it makes me feel creative not to be bogged down by too many things and too much clutter. I needed this space. I mean, I am a yoga teacher, but I'm not just a yoga teacher. I'm a writer. I'm a creative person, just like you. And I needed space for movement. Kate, I needed space to dance. I needed space to dance around my living room. Yeah? (laughs) Okay. so I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you because this is, I'm going to dive in (laughs) because this is going to be really helpful for people to hear how do you know if you're aligned if something is aligned with what you want what what what, what is your compass i feel a sharp intake of breath <gasps> and i can just sense that i can sense it from the language that's being used sometimes i be specific I'm not gonna be specific because there's actually quite a lot of offers that I do turn down, but then there are others that I welcome in. Um, I'm not gonna say too much more about that. The reason why is not because I'm trying to be um, cage or withhold. I feel really strongly about each of us as women needs to find our path through the menopause And all of us who are working professionally in this sphere, supporting women in this stage of life, we all need to find what resonates and feels authentic and right for us. Mm. So something that I don't feel sits well with me Mm. actually would sit well with another woman and women of all types and kinds and different needs all over the world. And this is a worldwide movement now. So um, for me to say the only thing that I value or should be valued is, tada. Okay. I feel like it shuts out the experiences and opportunities for so many different women. But what I do know, Kate, and I think maybe this is relevant to you, your listeners, is whenever I have gone off-compass, whenever I've gone, oh, no, I'm not going to go north, I'll go over there it doesn't sit well and it I will ruminate for a few days or a few weeks and go do you know what no I, can't, I just can't do that mm. so sometimes it is just a stepping forward and seeing because this isn't yeah, terribly. yeah because sometimes you don't know right you don't know you don't know what feels right and I mean I get a lot of people and they're in menopause process or second spring and they're going, oh, Kate, I don't know, should I do this? Should I not? And they they're like, they don't know. And oh, is, is this my pass? Is this my calling? And it's, you know, it's a, like this real urgency to get it right, to not miss the, opp- you know, there's, there's this real urgency about finding which way and finding our way through. And, you know, I always say, well, you feel it in your body. Yeah. How do you know when something's right? And quite often because our lives are busy and because it's, we live in a noisy world internally and externally, we can't find the the quiet space to be able to listen. And so we have to do really uncomfortable things like not know, just not know. Yes. Not knowing. And we have to have the courage to, you know, maybe take a step and yes. try it, and then go, ah, oh, do you know what? No, yeah. that's not. Right. Yes, yes. Say that again. Say that again. <laughs> so uh, I think what I've been saying earlier is that we need to have the courage to take a step or two forward, and then if we find that it doesn't feel right. You know, we'll feel it, we'll feel it in our bones, in our stomach, and your your chest, you'll just you'll know it doesn't feel right. And then you just say, No, that's that's not for me. Mm-hmm. Um the most important, one of the things I talk about in my workshops and my training is that the world is so divided at the moment that if we also use menopause as a battlefield for women to fight each other in terms of their opinions of the right approach or the wrong approach. I just feel that's not the way forward. I think we need to help create a space where women can have different opinions and different approaches. So, for instance, um, I've written a book about menopause yoga, which also includes psychology, um, various therapeutic aspects of going through the menopause you've written a book um for women the general public rather than yoga teachers and that was a very deliberate uh decision as well and then in in menopause yoga I bring together western medical science and the eastern well-being wisdom together in a kind of holistic way with modern feminism Mm -hmm. because I think that you can't what we're experiencing not just in the UK but worldwide is a new wave of, of radical feminism around menopausal women's rights but not just that we're menopausal women's voices value I think that's a really important word isn't it our value in society and what we have to give and um, what's been interesting and you look at the menopause movement because I've, you know, I went through my perimenopause paramen- my 15 years ago and there was nothing. We didn't even talk about the perimenopause then. But what I've seen and um, what I've experienced, uh, you know, in terms of my work with women in menopause, I found um, medical the medical profession, doctors, GPs, wouldn't allow me to come in and run my menopause, yoga and wellbeing workshops in a medical sphere, in a GP surgery, because they didn't trust yoga teachers. But also the yoga world, yoga studios, wouldn't let me run these workshops because of the word menopause. It wasn't sexy. It was like saying, menstruation, <laughs> back, in, back in those days. Yeah. And um, But they also didn't trust the fact that I brought menopause GPs in to talk about HRT and other medical approaches or health issues that can arise. And so we had this really polarized uh, world where you had people who were either in the well-being so-called natural camp or stuck over in the medical sector um, looking at the scientific aspect. So I brought it together and that was quite radical. That was very radical at the time. Um, so I feel really strongly that we need to keep work really hard to keep this space open for all opinions and perspectives to come into this. There is wisdom in all of that. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that, Kate? I think that we do not presume as, prof- as you know, well-being professionals, however you want to call yourself we should not presume to know what is right for other people. We can offer them choices and we can offer them information and education about stuff, but uh, I have, you know, I, I cannot say that this or that breast technique or H or medication would be better or worse for anybody else. Exactly. And as soon as we become, as soon as we polarize um, and politicize our bodies, I mean, it happens. You know, it's. I think. I think it's to do with um, historical lack of power that our bodies become the politic, the the political battleground. Breastfeeding or bottle feeding or the way you birth, and it. You know, it happens all the time, and. The effect of that is to close down um, communication, to re-traumatise and create trauma, to um, shut down vulnerability, mm-hmm. and create more. Sorry, create less possibilities for growth and connection. Mm-hmm. I think you know. I'm being I'm being a bit bombastic in the way I describe it, but ultimately. If you're saying, you know you can only take this kind of drug, or you can only do that sort of pose, or whatever whatever the thing is," you're shaming and shutting down connection. You're shaming other people and you're shutting down connection. Exactly. That, that's not a way that I want to go. No, absolutely not. It's about, you know the work that I do is about helping women to connect with their self, find that space have that self permission to nurture and nourish oneself resting and doing less so that we can learn or listen to that wisdom that's coming from ourselves telling us what do i need what works for me Mm. rather than us um prescribing and didactically telling uh what a woman what she should do Mm. um you know i i i respect women at this stage of life we're not children who are like this so-called empty vessels of the education system where teachers pour in information Well, somewhat full vessels i would say <laughs> yes yes i would definitely say i'm a full vessel and um yeah empty flat full vessel um And so we do know stuff. And so part of the work that I do is really about encouraging women through the guided discussions that we have in the women's circle groups to realize that they're not ignorant of their own bodies. They're not um, empty vessels waiting to be told what to do. Actually, there is a lot of information and knowledge they already have. Mm Um, you and I, we, you touched very lightly on at the beginning of our chat about feeling like I know nothing. <laughs> actually, do I really know anything? Um, but also it is a menopausal symptom where we start to doubt and question ourselves and our ability and this, this awful, sad loss of self-esteem that women can go through in this stage of life. And so a lot of what I'm doing in the menopause yoga workshops is actually guiding in a group to realize actually I do know stuff and actually yeah I can do this because ultimately menopause yoga is there to educate educate is a horrible word but you know share information empower empower women through tools and techniques that I can share with them but then encourage them to empower themselves And then ultimately, like you, offer a perspective to embrace the menopause as this opportunity to step into wholeness and your second spring. Mm -hmm. One of the things I also say on the course, and when I have women who are in their post menopause on my course, I see them nodding their heads and they're almost going, thank you, thank you for saying this. And what I say is what you say in your book, that we emerge from that winter of the menopause into our second spring, but we're not always strong and steady on our feet. That's just what you've written in the book. It's just the perfect language. And it can be harder for some women to step into that second spring. And not all of them are going to re- leap and run and gallop. You know, it's, it can take a time. And let's not use that concept of the second spring as a way to beat and berate Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. who are struggling. Yeah. Let's give them the support. And as you said earlier, allow them that space to not be there yet. And to fail. God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. To go up the wrong avenues and um and mess up because that is also a spring. I mean, I, I think that the misconception comes because people think spring, oh, it's all about hope. Yeah. And it is about hope, but it is also about allowing ourselves to fail, about uh holding our vulnerabilities with with care and humbleness you know and taking that along with us you know not kind of well now I've done with that vulnerable self and now I'm indestructible and that that is going to be asking for a for for a fall really it's going to hurt yeah those little buds are going to get trampled on Mm. yeah so it is and if you don't mind if I can take that analogy and and bring it into discussion around voice So, you know, you and I, we both have distinctive voices, and I only gained a voice, Kate, in my menopause, -menopause. post-menopause. For years and years, I did actually work many years ago at the BBC in radio, and I was in newspapers, and then I was in um, communications for charities and and educational establishments, but I was always putting the words into other people's mouths or, you know, writing a set script for someone else. And in the process of always supporting others, I didn't, I lost my voice. I completely lost my voice, my opinions, my ability to write. And that was one of my crash and burns earlier in my life. And it was only in my early and then into my post-menopause that the work that I do now gave me a voice. Mm. And it took me a long time to feel comfortable in hearing my voice, Mm. you know? That was really hard. And then even that, you know, writing a book, will anybody listen? Will anyone read? Will anyone value what I have to say? you're you're an author you know what that's like it's it's hard isn't it it's very vulnerable Mm. thank you I think this is something such an interesting area about the voice coming through I'm thinking about how the throat changes and how because it's it's not just it's not just confidence, there's something else that happens. And when, when you know, even in the most negative um, view of postmenopausal life, of of, second, of the second cycle, a very common negativity of one is, is of shrillness, mm-hmm. which basically means women are being hurt <laughs> or cackling or, you know, and that's given a very negative connotation. But it's about, it's about, not, not shutting up, not questioning ourselves. So what, exactly, and one I'm going to the... need to think more about this, actually. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to share some share some thoughts with you and see if it um, sparks any any thoughts from you. So, one of the things I say on my course, it's about women go through the so-called menopause rage, that irritability, mm-hmm. calling it out, and it can be quite sharp and direct and I remember doing it myself quite sort of snappy and intolerant and irritable and for good reason often to be honest either we're really tired and exhausted and we're juggling too many things or it is as Alexandra Pope says you know this kind of awakening to the kind of lie that we've been fed as women about our purpose and role in society so there's a lot going on that can make you feel rage and irritability in your perimenopause to menopause but what I say to women is can we turn that rage into outrage can we find our voice and rather than being snappy and sharp and opinionated can we instead share opinions rather than being opinionated can we channel that energy and that outrage into changing things which is what you're doing and so many other women are doing in the menopause now this whole international now menopause movement so i think it's valuable and helpful for women to find their voice and yeah if they want to shout from the rooftop and shout expletives and you know, call out all of, you know, things that they're angry or annoyed in at their whole life. Yeah, give them that space to do that. But then offer an opportunity to guide and channel it. Finding your voice, finding a strength in your voice that doesn't come from that rage. It's more of a channeled mm-hmm. direction. And that's where I think we will see in in the very near future. My strong feeling is women are going to find that ability to channel their voices and really create change mm. and a new sense of leadership. That's so interesting because I, I I absolutely know that process. I I've I felt that process from the inside, but I haven't I hadn't actually. Heard anybody articulate it? Because I would, someone you know, in a group, someone would say, "Oh, Kate's doing this thing about menopause. Kate, can you say something about it?" And out would come this voice, and I'd be sitting there going, "Who is this loud person <laughs> banging away about?" It. It's like, "Wow, she's really articulate." It's, oh, oh, that's me, and it just whoosh, came through me, and I was like, "Bloody hell!" <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? And the experience of it coming through me and it didn't it wasn't me i didn't feel like it was me my ego moving outwards into the world it was about something coming through me which was yeah a, diff, a new thing for me yeah yeah and channeling it i mean the process of writing your book as well i'd imagine was a process of refining defining Stilling? <laughs> <laughs> it Was that too nice of praise? <laughs> it's a process. Let's call it that. <laughs> so, yeah, so encouraging women to go from that sense of rage, which I think is totally valid. Absolutely call out all the rubbish that's going on in the world and any pain or injustice you have felt yourself personally, And then channel it into outrage, but in a constructive way so that we get to, either it's changing the environment or our communities or treatment of women in menopause, whatever it is. Mm. I think we've got this, I think we've got a lot of power that we have not expressed, but let's express it carefully and without alienating other women, so that we're all part of this emerging conversation. Mm. And then another thing I just wanted to share with you um, as a woman is that I'm experiencing an extraordinary time in my life. Two things have happened, Kate. So one is about that reaching out to other women, which we can delve into. But the other one is And I really want to hear your views on this because you work with women psychologically through this stage of life. We know that we tend to have habits and behaviours that go in cycles. And both you and I work with the seasons of the year, the seasons of a woman's life, the cyclical menstrual cycle. So everything for us is cyclical. But what I've been noticing recently is in terms of relationships and communications, I, in this second spring, I'm starting to revisit different relationships that I've had throughout my life. It's like they're all cycling back, but now I've got this extraordinary perspective of being in my second spring and i'm having choices how do i want to respond to this person or this relationship or this scenario you get to choose what you exactly do, right? because we're so fully conscious you know when you're a teenager and you're riddled with all your hormones and you're a woman and maybe you're powered by your menstrual cycle and your hormones and Also um, influenced by what society tells you you should or shouldn't be achieving or procreating at this stage. But now we're on the other side in second spring where our bodies are for ourselves, our lives are for us. It's for us to live and enjoy. And then we look back and I have choices. How do I want this relationship to go? Do I want to repeat those maybe, issues from the past or do i want to break the cycle Mm. kate breaking the cycle wow not just once but so many opportunities coming my way giving me that chance i I don't know if anyone listening to this will even understand what we're talking about but i know you do Mm. yeah i think it's it's um offering up uh, different neural pathways and different possibilities of being and yeah absolutely yeah so so much mm. so much um it's exciting so I'm writing my next book about this <laughs> ah. yes I'm writing my next book is about revisiting the past but in your second spring and the choices that we may or may not take. I am very excited about that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, yeah, okay, sign me up. Pre-order. <laughs> oh, Where do I go? And Kate, um, you know, <laughs> thank you for allowing us to make mistakes because you know, I'm not going to say that I'm going to make all the right decisions and choices. Yes. <laughs> but so the, the people- last thing that I really wanted to mention yeah. was about. Um, I'd really like to talk about the nourishment of um, net, female networks. Mm-hmm. And networks sounds like a horrible kind of business, corporate term. But what I found when I was entering my perimenopause was I felt this almost sort of primal desire, need to sit together, almost like around a fire and um, be with other women who were going through the perimenopause and menopause. It just felt like sort of being drawn around that campfire to be together and share the experience and the wisdom. And that's why women's circles are an essential part of um, menopause yoga. Um, But that's become even more important in my second spring so that we are stronger together. And we do nurture and nourish each other. And we have, in an earlier part of my life, lived in a world that is constructed mainly by the male way of working and being. And women, through their powerlessness to change society and their own lives, have found themselves in a position of perhaps competing with each other, which I've always hated. I've always found that abhorrent. And so I made a really conscious decision in my second spring with this work that I do, that it's about bringing women with us Mm and deepening these connections all over the world so that we are not competing. We are all here together. Um, I don't know how that, does that does that sound too hippie-ish to say that? Because it's how I work and live. That, so on my list of questions that I like to ask in these podcasts is the advantages of lower oestrogen. <laughs> That's not a topic that you'll find in the headlines, but this this uh, cooperative leaning in and coming together is one of the advantages of low, lower estrogen in that, you know, biologically in the evolutionary terms, we don't have to, we don't have to slay each other to get the best sperm. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it. <laughs> I've already had some. <laughs> so that the, that edge drops away, I think. If people want to join you for trainings, can you when when are you when are the next trainings coming up? Well, I've got in-person trainings. Oh, in, in actual person! Yes, actually seeing gorgeous, <laughs> lovely women together. Um, I've got trainings for teachers, so it's it's only open to qualified yoga teachers. Um, and I have a training in May in <laughs> London and a training in June. There uh, are also trainings in other countries coming up, including um Japan, but that will be online through a translator. Um, and we have a training in Spain and a training in the Middle East. It's very exciting. Uh, and all of this has come about through working with other women, creating those, those networks. So I'm really, I'm really excited, but um I'm really excited as well to. Learn from this seventh year, Mm. yeah. And remember to always nourish and nurture and take rest. Look after that, Shen. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And if you could give one, (laughs) one offering of Advice, really, for someone who wants to look after themselves in their second spring post menopause. what would you say? Rest, do less, reduce stress. Rest, do less, reduce stress. And in anything that you do, do it because it nurtures and nourishes you if it doesn't nurture and nourish you don't do it this is the time to say no but that can be a firm but gentle no And besides they've probably had lots of practice about saying no in their menopause they're, they're, they're acing it by now <laughs> but it's getting that tone right isn't it it's not that harsh and abrasive no it's that know that comes from being connected to that inner strength. That oh, I don't know. Not, I mean, any kind of sometimes. Sometimes it's harsh and abrasive. <laughs> Frankly, you know, I'm sure you're clearly much more contained than I am. Like sometimes it comes out really madly, wrongly, badly, and I'm sorry about that, guys. But like the 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 capacity to confirm boundaries clearly is is just such a gift. It comes with practice. Yeah. Exactly. you be, you be you we love you kate <laughs> we love you we love what you do we love your voice your humor and your um saying it as it is and i be me <laughs> yes yes you can you can say the nice firm elegant <laughs> first thank you but <laughs> well, we're putting our hands up and i go <laughs> I mean, there's a place for both of us and all of us yeah. and all of our voices. <laughs> I love how that conversation ended with me squawking like an outraged parrot and Petra so composed and generous and measured. It's like both sides, opposite sides of Second Spring, all perfectly shown in the last five seconds of the conversation. So funny. And I'd love to know how that lands with you, especially if you're in menopause or in your second spring. How do you care for yourself? And how do you nourish your creativity? You know, how do you hold both the parrot and the composure together? (laughs) Do pop over to Kate underscore Codrington on Instagram and tell me about it. How do you do it? Petra's courses can be found at menopause-yoga.com and her Instagram is menopause underscore yoga so you can find out all about her offerings there, her live courses in London. In my book Second Spring the self-care guide to menopause is available from your favourite bookshop Amazon is of course very easy but don't forget the independent bookshops do a very nifty mail order service as well and Petra's book Menopause Yoga can be found from all good bookshops as well. It would be wonderful if you felt able to share the podcast with a friend. You know word of mouth is totally the way forward or if you use social media and that's easy for you then a recommendation there for people to listen would be very very nice thank you so much for listening and please do join me again soon for another inside job